This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns of Odin. And this week, we just released our latest clothing range. Um, it's our winter range, and the whole range is entirely plastic-free, and that's something that we've really focused on this time around. The flagship product is our overshirt, and what's special about this is that it weighs a whopping 300 GSM. Now, I know GSM means nothing to most people. It's grams per square meter, and your average shirt is about 160, so this is twice that. And all it means is just it's a really nice heavyweight. It's perfect for layering up in the cold winter months. It's made from 100% cotton. It's got real horn buttons, of course. One of the other products we've got is our knitter hooded sweater. It's a really nice 100% cotton knitted sweatshirt. It's got rolled hems, it's got a cross hood, um, and it's, it's a really rustic looking, very kind of on-brand hoodie. And again, you know, the range carries on into some other items. We've got 100% merino wool beanies. Uh, we've got those in three colors. We've got rust, red, and black. And then we've got a range of t-shirts, as always. These are long sleeve baseball style t-shirts. Uh, we've got a beautiful burnt orange uh, and black with our logo on the front there, a gray and black. We've got a nice sort of toffee and coffee color combination. And then we've got very typical baseball t-shirts with a, a red and white and then a burgundy and white so yeah just just pop over onto the website hornsvoning.com use the promo code horns10 and you're going to get 10% discount off anything store-wide that's the new range or anything that we already stock other than that so use the code horns10 and you're going to get 10% off right let's jump into the show Tess, you got your whiskey. Oh, boo, you let us down. Uh, it's oh. spiked. Oh, is it? Oh, what yeah. are you drinking, Dan? Um, gooseberry, gooseberry fool sour. Ooh. Mm, so I'm the only commoner drinking patches. Yeah. Well, I don't know what I am. A fucking barbarian. I, I poured uh, 18-year-old Glenfiddich in my whiskey, uh, in my coffee, so... <laughs> You poured 18 year old Kentish in your whiskey. <laughs> how many, how many whiskeys have you had? My drink is like whiskey, whiskey on whiskey. Top of whiskey. <laughs> I, no I longer a single malt. <laughs> that's the perfect place to start. Uh, uh, an unusual intro. This is the Nordic Mythology podcast. This is our Yule party special, I guess is what we're calling it, where it's more of a relaxed episode. Um, obviously, as always, I'm joined by Dr. Matthias Nordvig, who has whiskey on whiskey on whiskey. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, yeah, and we are, of course, joined by uh, two of our all-time favorites. Uh, we had Ed Gamester and we have Jonas Sorensen as well um, getting drunk with us. So uh, welcome to the party, boys. Thank, Thank you, you for much. having us. It's great to be back, and uh, uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to be called a favorite guest, although I've been assured by the producers it's not because uh, the audience <laughs> likes us, <laughs> it's because you guys like hanging yeah, out with exactly. us. <laughs> yeah, actually, like, the audience hate, hate you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like, those two guys again? Oh. No, no, never. But to, be, 
What do you mean? This is like the fourth time. Surely there's nothing more to be said. <laughs> so every, every time I, I, I put the question up on Instagram stories, who do you want to see? You, you know, the two of you, the names come up time and time again. Um, yeah. Obviously, Ed, because I reply Eddie's... and say me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always you. <laughs> Can I come? Don't, don't break the fourth wall. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, Ed, obviously your episodes are always chaos in some way. And then, Jonas, I mean, you've, especially on the Patreon side of things, you've become a favorite just from the Storytime episodes and your amazing narration, narration? Narrating of the, the Volsunga saga. Um, if anybody wants to check that out, you can get that on our Patreon. And there's maybe five episodes on there you can go through. And they are some of my favorite things we've ever recorded. They are awesome. hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was just going to say, now you said five, but, you know, it was going to say, yeah, if if we count the Storytime episodes, I don't, I don't, I've lost count on how many times I've been on this fucking show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> I know, yeah. So for for anybody listening, we're gonna we're gonna touch on the the new Northman trailer. Um, obviously we're excited for that. You you've got some kind of involvement in that. Um, then we're gonna look at Ed's amazing show that I went to see and the success of that, which we spoke about the last time he was here. Um, mm. and then later on we're gonna answer some some questions that we've received. We're gonna focus on some of the Yule based ones. People listening can get an insight into Yule, kind of what it is that that kind of stuff. But again, if you do want to know more about that, we've done two episodes in the past solely just on Yule. Uh, one with just me and Matthias and one with um, Josh Root. So you can pop back and listen to those if you want that kind of real heavy episode just on that. This is going to be more of a lighthearted, fun episode, I think, with alcohol and festivities and my rosy cheeks. I was going to say, that's why you've pre-rosied your cheeks. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, does, it does look like that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's happened. But for anyone watching, you can watch it on YouTube later. Um, my cheeks just you look, look like ridiculous. a tattoo center. <laughs> I do. Oh, I don't know what's happened. It's it's so perfect, man. It's so <laughs> fucking perfect. I mean, if there's going to be an episode for it, this is the one, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I think you should have just leaned into it, man. Put on the hat and the <laughs> dye your beard. Yeah, I should I, you have. know, I, you've got the whole sort of pagan thing going on because you're Santa in your face, and then you have Odin written on your chest. My so it's like yes. you know exactly. So it's it's, it's all this uh, whole Santa is Odin. Daniel yes. is Santa Odin. Yes, the myth is true. <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah. It's and now a... you've got Celtic swirly boys all over your legs as well. Yeah, thanks to, uh, to Sean Parry yesterday giving me a, a new leg tattoo. Now, on, on tattoos, Mateus, you were saying before the show, apparently Europe have made some interesting decisions on tattoos that you wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. So the European Commission apparently has um, voted for this law that is going to make it incredibly complicated to produce tattoo ink and uh this is because uh, supposedly they want to prevent uh people from getting presumed cancer from from tattoo ink so that that's another thing there's not a lot of um actual science behind the fact that 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 this um uh tattoo ink is carcinogen carcinogenic 
carcinogenic. Thank you very much, <laughs> fellow Dane. Um, <laughs> Up showing off that your English is better than ours, <laughs> Danes. Um, I think I I think it's uh, isopropanol. I think is the ingredient in 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 these particular tattoo inks that that means that uh, any ink containing that is no longer allowed and i think that accounts for something like 65 70% of all tattoo color um, okay. i think i think it's commonly found in like a blue or green that might be complete nonsense but it's it's the majority of of colored inks um, contain this currently, which means that the majority of tattoo color inks are no longer allowed to be made or stored or used in Europe, which is is akin to outlawing tattooing, um, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what what about what about sort of this? I mean, you guys. I mean, I yeah, I have to uh, you know come clean here. I'm a total virgin when it comes to all these things. I don't have a single tattoo on my body, which is weird, I suppose. In the kind of circles that I, it's ungodly, I'm in. if you ask me, ungodly, yeah, almost, yeah, blasphemy. Yeah. I, mean, I, I would <laughs> invisible yeah, I would, to the gods. Exactly. I would wonder how many people who are interested in this community are like you and who are completely untied because it is such a, a prevalent thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I hardly know anyone who doesn't have a tattoo. I, mm. I don't. I can't think of anyone sort of off the top of my head. Except for my daughter, maybe you know. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, so what I wanted, so wanted to wanted to ask you about exactly was that if it's colors, I mean, because most of you guys, when I've seen your you guys' tattoos, at least the ones you've gotten recently, which are all, I suppose, Viking or whatever, uh, they, they're sort of black and dark colors. Would those be affected by this law as well? Or so that's that's really a good question here. So the guy who's uh, who's speaking out about this um, publicly is actually uh, Jan Seal from, uh, uh, he is a chief physician and professor of medicine at the Department of Dermatology and head of the tattoo clinic at Bispebja University uh, Hospital in Copenhagen, Denmark. And he uh, is quoted for having said, Tattoo inks that fully meet the exhaustive new requirements cannot be made. It is impossible to establish all the analytical methods required since many methods are not validated and pure substance needed for reference are not available. Fake inks will claim uh, they are REACH compliant, REACH is the acronym for the law, um, and will emerge and, uh, emerge and a wild situation in the ink market will appear unsafe to co consumers. It will not be possible to tattoo legally from January 4th, 2022 in the Ooh. EU due to lacking EU reach documented inks. That's so that's bam. a lot sooner than I, I was expecting. That's insane. They, that gives them absolutely no time to try to change their practices or figure out, you know, other ways of... That's wow there's i think there's a couple they've pushed back to 2023 a couple that i think they say that they can't make suitable alternatives so they've kind of given people a bit of leeway but yeah otherwise they've just basically just dropped a guillotine on it yeah and he he goes on to say um 
the declared main purpose of the reach uh, on inks is to prevent cancer originating in tattoos. As there is to date no medical or epidemiological solid documentation that tattooing people causes cancer, it is of course not possible to reduce cancer occurrences. Uh, the price of this exercise is too high. Reach will close a number of tattoo studios and uh, part of their activity will be taken over by amateurs. EU legislators have not listened to the tattoo practitioners and the clinical and manufacturing expertise involved. Organized protests from 120,000 tattooists in Germany were uh, ignored. The 600 page reach draft document on tattoo inks is much too complicated for EU national representatives to comprehend. They apparently blindly voted yes out of uh, convenience without understanding the essence and the many co uh, consequences of the reach on inks. I wonder who's going to enforce these laws because, I mean, in Denmark and, and England as well, and many, almost any place that I've lived in Europe, um, fuck loads of policemen have tattoos. Well, they, yeah, but they, they just... Re they just revoke the license of the, the tattoo parlors, I guess, and yeah. and close them down. It's just all it's going to do is it's just going to drive tattooing underground and make it less safe because no people aren't going to stop getting to getting tattooed. That's just insane. That's not going to happen. So it will just make it illegal in people's front rooms. And then you're not going to be following. Some people aren't going to follow the safety precautions. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to start this fun yeah, episode kick it off on a high <laughs> one thing to say about this is that the, the, the regulations in, in the different EU countries are very different like Spain has like ridiculously strict rules around tattooing Denmark has almost no rules around tattooing like it's there's a very different infrastructure depending on which country we're talking about mm. um, so yeah it's 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 interesting to, to see, I mean, obviously, um, is speaking from a health standpoint, there there's, should be more regulation in a place like Denmark. Um, uh, and on the other hand, it's also fucking ridiculous what's happening now. Like, <laughs> what, what is this? Oh, man. It's because it has nothing to do with tattooing, does it? It's to do with attempting to protect people, except people's version of protecting people has now warped to the point where if you can't categorically prove that, you know, tattoo inks aren't causing cancer, because how really can you prove that they're not causing cancer? Another measure of control in a, in a world that is going out of control, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anarchy in the UK. Oi, we've been there, mate. We've been there. You don't start off that. We've already done anarchy. <laughs> look where that got us you know what you say that look where anarchy got us we're not near you we can tattoo whoever we want yeah fuck you <laughs> <laughs> we'll just come to the uk to get our tattoos and you know, come to uk to start up businesses where we don't have to pay taxes anymore and all those sort of things it's going to be lovely it's going to be like the the land of milk and honey you know that's uh, and, ta and tattoo ink flowing freely yeah you know? through the streets yeah. Imagine all the good tattoo tattooists that are going to be over here now. Yeah, man. On January the fourth, I'm just going to like drink a massive pint of blue and black tattoo ink just to make a point. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get like terrible. Like my eyes will start itching, and everyone will be like, "Oh my god, we knew it! We knew it! It's an irritant. You shouldn't drink tattoo ink." <laughs> Should we look at the the Northman trailer? 
Um, obviously, that came out, was it two days ago? Um, it, two days ago be, I think, yeah. it seems to be getting some good some good response. Um, people are really liking it. I've, I've watched a little bit of it, but I wanted to save most of it to watch it live. We're going to pop up and watch. Obviously, anybody who's listening to it, you can pause the episode um, I go to YouTube and pop the, the trailer on, or you can, we're going to leave the sound on and we'll kind of react to it and give you, give our opinions on, on it. Um, there's not just going to be dead space for, for two minutes. Um, Cause it, it, from what I've seen, it seems really interesting. Um, seems like a lot of, a lot of fun anyway. And I'm i I'm a real, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Robert Eggers and his, his previous movies. I think, oh yeah, I think the witch and, and the lighthouse, whether you like, I think, I think whether you like the stories is regard. It doesn't matter because he makes such beautiful movies. Jared, Jared Blasky, his uh, cinematographer, is uh, is also a complete bloody genius. So um, yeah. Anyways, yeah, here it is. He gets some pretty good names in it as well. Obviously, he's got Alexander Skarsgård. Lord, father is here. The king, my lady. The king. Willem Dafoe and Nicole Kidman. Too. Set and you cannot escape it. Oh, I've missed you. There's, there's some, there's some big names in there. Ethan Hawke, Nicole Kidman. Um, you know, he, they, they, they've thrown a lot at it, I guess. Björk. I mean, for God's sake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's got it's got um, the two that were in the witch that played the mother and the father. Uh, Ralph Ineson and um, oh god, her name escapes me right now. She's a great actress as well. I can't remember her name. Um, the, yeah, the the girl who played the witch. That's also in it. Well, Anya Taylor Joy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, did we? Didn't I, I, we mention? Oh, we didn't mention Anya Taylor Joy. <laughs> yeah, she's she's you know blown up quite a bit recently. Um, ever since The Witch, I suppose it's just been an upwards trajectory for her. She's great, yeah. man. She's really great. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's uh, been playing the lead role in that. Uh, what the Queen's, Queen's game bits. Yeah. Yes. Great, great series as well. Oh, yeah. It is good. Yeah. The cunning to break their minds. And night by night, we will carry out my pledge of vengeance. I will avenge you, Father. I will avenge you, Father. I mean, that's always cool, isn't it? You can pluck a spear out of the air. I, I, yeah, his, his movies always have like a creepy feel to them as well. They just kind of get to you. Yeah, what, what did you guys think from the, the first impression of this trailer? It's super exciting. Um, I was I was relieved and excited to know it was a film because. To start with, when I watched it, I thought it was going to be a TV series. 
And I will admit my heart sank a bit. I was like, oh, God, do we really need another, like, 15 hours of this fucking shit? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when I when I realized it was a film, I, like, m- my reaction was the opposite. Like, to be, you know, I can sit down and watch a story be told and completed within a couple of hours make, uh, of yeah. that nature, like something, a subject matter I'm really interested in, fills me with excitement and uh, because that's exciting. But no, you know, the worry is that when you see something like that, you're like, how much of that trailer will be spread out into 30 hours and how much like babbling nonsense will there be in, in the middle? Because now that's how you make money is you just write one good thing and stretch it out for a million hours. So I'm super hyped that there's an actual film with film quality cameras and film quality cast and film quality script writing to address uh, this subject. So that makes yeah. me very excited indeed. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I, th- I think it seems very, very saga-like. Obviously, we've been doing the, the Volsunga saga in uh, um, our Storytime episodes available on Patreon for anybody that wants to uh, pop over there and, and, and join us. Um, but in that, it, it's very much based about, about revenge, um, which mm. is... A theme that that runs through sagas time and time again. So he kind of hit the nail on the head with that. Um, that really interests it really interests me. Yeah, I mean, I I I uh, I, I think it looks like a, a good action movie. Um, I am going to be looking forward to seeing all the little details that I can reference from historical sources in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. I know that that there are plenty. There will um, be plenty. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. If you know if you know anything about his work, yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, because that's the thing, right? With uh, the the witch, I mean, he he had been you know going through um, actual witch trials and stuff like that to 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 create dialogue and all that stuff, which is really really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I'm also you know my pet peeve here. I'm really happy it's called the North men and not the Norsemen. So <laughs> strange you've you've never you you've never mentioned that before. Um <laughs> so what's what's the issue Matthias? Let's get bogged down in that one, shan't we? Uh, <laughs> Norse is just dumb. <laughs> Learn to say north. That's yeah. north. <laughs> Yeah. yeah 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 i, th- I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun obviously Jonas, you you worked at, you well you did music for it um which is super I, exciting yeah i did a few i i did i wore quite a few different hats uh in in relation to this movie actually um i'm sort of sort of stealing myself because i i want to just blah you know but i can't obviously because I mean, one of the issues is also that I did quite a lot of different work on this one. I um, I did some consulting with some of the different actors for their roles in in uh, in in certain ways of carrying your voice and so on. Uh, not necessarily throat singing per se, but but just uh, yeah, had a yeah a kind of sort of mixed throat singing speaking type of thing. So I was sort of doing that sort of thing, and then. I was acting in it as well. Uh, you know, I can't say what I was doing um, in the acting, but you know, again, the the problem is when I say if I say too much now, I don't know how much of this stuff is actually going to make it into the movie because I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> you know, oh, it could be one of those where you're like, yeah, I had, I had this really cool scene, and then I had this really cool <laughs> scene, and they're like, 
Yeah, no, we, we cut that one. I had this really <laughs> cool scene where I caught a spear out of midair and just kind of turned and threw it back, and I, I hope it makes it in and they didn't give it to somebody else. Right? Yeah, I hope they didn't give it, exactly, because, you know, I've really trained for half a year to do that. Trick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I, I did, did quite a, a lot of different things, uh, and and it it was... What I can say was that uh, what I'd really like to say about it, actually, um, I mean, it was happening with COVID times and so on. So there was a lot of the ways that things would probably would have been done. Um, there was also some involvement that I was going to be doing, which didn't happen because of COVID and because I had to sort of like flee to Norway and wasn't staying in the UK and uh, where, where, where most of this is shot. Most of it is shot in, in, in Belfast. Speaking um, of which, a very common narrative uh, too: Scandinavian yeah. having to flee from somewhere in England or Ireland to Norway. That, exactly, that's happened a lot. <laughs> exactly, but well, I'm sure they didn't uh, flee from a virus. Uh, but uh, but that was what I did because my company went bust. But either which way, uh, the the point is uh, that what I wanted to say was that one thing that I was really surprised. Uh, at with, with working with this movie was the way that I mean because I have some friends who've worked in Hollywood and so on and who've you know what they've told me you know when you aren't uh, like the top tier actors or whatever or the top tier whatever uh, it can be very grindy and extremely hard and and you'd feel like you're just like you know you just push aside you're nobody whatever let Vin Diesel come come to the set and you know <laughs> step aside and whatnot oh Vin um, Diesel's in it too <laughs> no, no he's really not <laughs> no but uh, but that really wasn't the feeling here I was so amazed at uh, how the production company and I suppose also the way that Robert Eggers sets things up for for his productions and so on how it felt like everyone from the runner to the makeup makeup artists, to the big stars, to to everyone, feel, felt like they were a part of something bigger. There was an incredible vibe around the whole production of this thing. It was amazing, and and you felt you felt seen all the way through, which was something that I think is rare for a production is. that is what you know. I don't know. It's it's some estimates say sixty million, some say hundred million. It's it's a very very big production. This one, you know. So, uh, so that, so that was incredible, really incredible. And, you know, also the, the, whatever, you know, you have like 10th AD, right. <laughs> you know, something like that, you know, assistant directors galore, every assistant director was like, yeah, you know what, you know, we're really working on this particular thing. And they felt like they had ownership, all of them. So that was something very, very uh, amazing to see. Yeah, no, that, that, that's beautiful. And it does seem like, I mean, you'll probably know more than I do, it seems like Robert, when he makes his films, he he very much uses the same people. Um, certainly, in like the main cast, you see the same main cast kind of being put through this through time and time again. So he obviously likes yeah. working with people that he trusts, and I imagine yeah. that runs through to the production side of things as well. Um, which then yeah. you start to you start to really vibe off each other, then I guess, and, and understand what what people want. They will understand his vision, um, and then become kind of one one singular organism almost producing this thing rather than him kind of dictating yeah yeah absolutely it was a funny thing as well when you came into the the makeup trailer uh and the makeup artist was like you know starting to talk about uh 
you know, Viking hairstyles and, and why we're not doing this and we're doing this thing instead because, because of the research. And they had sort of all, again, like they felt like they were sort of in this world, really in this world that, that had been built up, you know. And there was a reason for why it was not this and, you know, or why it was this and, you know, so on and so forth, which was, uh, which was just amazing. And it, it, it gave me a chance to sit with makeup, makeup artists and geek out about Viking hairstyles and tattoos and all these different things, because that was also something that was talked about as well, you know. So, so yeah, uh, yeah, it was fucking incredible. I mean, it was some of the best work I've ever done. That's, that's for damn sure. Yeah, that's wonderful. That- that's good to hear. And hopefully, I mean, it seems like it's going to come across like that. It, I, the, the trailer definitely excites me. Um, obviously, you're always going to get people who who are going to complain in some way with, that it's not accurate. Inevitable. Or, or inevitable. This or that. I mean, you could make something that was literally filmed from the time itself, 100% accurate, and you would still get people who complained in some aspect one way or another yeah um, yeah you're never going to please anyone especially in this community we 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 all know that by now that, that there are people you're just never going to make happy they're gonna they're just gonna moan about something but it looks like a good time um i will certainly be going to the cinema to watch it and, and enjoying it for what it is uh, so i've read the script right the from 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 you know start to finish and if this movie that's that's how big a spoiler I would give at this point. If this movie does not become the greatest Viking moving image thing that's ever been produced, I would really fucking be surprised because yeah. it's a phenomenal script. It's a really, really, really cool script. And I promise when I come back uh, next time, uh, which will then also be us talking about uh, the album that's coming out with Nabala and all that sort of thing. I promise that at that time I will know much more and I'll be able to to speak much more to to things and so on. Yeah, it it seems like for once there's a there's a Viking style TV show or film that takes itself very seriously rather than kind of throwing in all these cliches and and this. You see, you know, with this, there's so many movies that they just they just become cheesy because they just want to do all this kind of typical Viking stuff. Whereas this seems to be its own thing that's got a good budget and it's it's got a good story behind it, and it's going to be its own very much serious thing rather than this cheesy action thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, Jonas, did you did you meet anyone on it called uh, Ian Ian Jared White? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, he's a friend of mine. We, we, and uh, we, we hung out and got drunk a few times and so on. Uh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me to hear. He's he's uh, he used to be an opera singer, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good, good um, guy. Good guy. Actually, yeah. weirdly enough, I think he was signed to do a movie called Morris Men about um sort of murderous Morris dancers. And uh, I think he had to. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> I know. Well, the, yeah, don't, don't, don't speak too soon because he had to drop out of that character to do uh, the Northmen, uh, and I ended up taking his character from Morris Men and and doing the character that he originally got. So the fact that he ended up in that, which I was incredibly, uh, obviously, incredibly envious of, because I would have loved to be part of the project, actually got me a different role in a completely different movie about you know murderous Morris Men. Um, which it doesn't sound quite as cool as as topless barbarian Vikings. Uh, I, I don't players. know. It does sound pretty cool. It actually. is very. It's going to be cool. Um, we did. We did. Yeah. We did. We did a whole. Uh, we, I did. I did. Uh, I did some work for one of 
the big scenes that he's in. Uh, so that, that we were we were we were on set for a whole night together and grueling and that, it was it was fun. This is something I'm going this this particular thing I'm going to talk about when we when we get closer to it because that was fucking funny. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were they were they were all of those guys were were hilarious. Uh, oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Also, you know, I hate all of you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, yeah brilliant um ed let's let's talk about your your thing yeah one of the things i've now done is produce a theater show uh that i talked about last time i was on uh the podcast and um it went really it went really well well dan was there so he can Mm -hmm. he can tell everyone if i'm lying um uh, we didn't the whole cast didn't get together for a full rehearsal until the day and we didn't truly know what the hell we were doing until about six o'clock and the doors opened at uh, seven o'clock. Which is fucking, in, when you told me that after, I assumed that you'd practice this and it was all set up. It was, you know, you knew exactly what you were doing and you were like, no, you know, we hadn't rehearsed it until this morning. I mean, we I had. respect that. I respect that. That's how I teach. So, yeah. <laughs> That's how I do everything. Um, but you well, already know everything and it's just on you to just kind of recite it or regurgitate it to people it had to get seven other people involved it was more than seven there was uh i mean the cast was eight but there was uh, mark who was doing the stage management there uh and you know the little things you don't think about like okay i have a sword in this scene and i don't in the next scene what do i do with it in between and then where do i know where it is for the next scene you know the people running around backstage making sure everything is where it's meant to be and mel doing all the costumes and the people doing the light and the sound and making sure everything happens on cue which is all stuff that obviously has to happen in theater but when you're me uh, you just go like and then he comes out and he shouts and he hits the man and then you don't think about like oh what color will the lights be at this moment in time um so no, it's untrue to say that we hadn't rehearsed it before the day, but what had happened essentially is a, very, a good friend of mine, Chris, had lent us his warehouse where he sells chairs. And uh, we, we had, uh, Miles and I had gone to that warehouse at least two or three times a week and gone through the uh, strenuous process of moving 200 chairs out of the way and then setting up a wrestling ring on our own. And then depending on who was available that day, which could just be me and him or could be up to five people, would kind of run as much of the show as we could realistically and then take it all down again. And that was the closest thing we got to rehearsal with everybody until the actual day where you know everyone met everyone else and we were like, oh, this is how the show might look. Um, mm. And being that the fight, if people don't know about the show, I apologize. The, it's it's a, a retelling of some Viking myths kind of smashed together and given my own weird spin and any of the conflicts or fights are are done live using like a form of professional wrestling that basically just involves like beating the living shit out of each other uh on the stage to try and kind of add some uh physical gravitas to proceedings um and because of that the fight scenes themselves are kind of very loosely worked out you kind of you know who's got to win right because it's in the mythology you know like odin (laughs) odin's not gonna kill the fenris wolf right that that can't that's not in the mythology but how he goes about getting being killed by the fenris wolf we don't really know there may be power bombs there may be you know punches to the spine that was that was my one of my main takeaways from it was that i i i loved pro wrestling when i was a kid um i just you know it was the the golden era i think 
of the rock stone cold the undertaker like the real the real golden years yeah. um and then obviously i, I kind of got out of it as i got older so i never saw it live and then when i when, when i saw your show like i i i knew i've always appreciated them as athletes i'm certainly not one of these people that are like oh yeah it's fake and and kind of dismisses it um where because I've always, you know, they, they are athletes, however you want to look at it, but I just didn't ever really appreciate the, the impact, the, the athleticism until I saw it live. Mm. And, and, you know, the guy who played um, Fenrir, he was, he what? He must be six, six. He's a, so he's, he's a big, he's six foot nine, six, nine. He's a big human. He's huge. And then he's got you in the air above his head. And then you're coming down, you know, that's, that's a long way. That's a long way down. Um, yeah. And, you know, when you're there live, you you feel the impact. It it, it kind of absorbs through the room. Um, yeah. And it really does give you a, a, a sense of what it is. And like I said, I never had experienced that before. And it, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, thank you for one thing. Um, people people keep calling my show a wrestling show. And it's really not. Um, I use wrestling as a, a combat technique because wrestlers can do things that other stunt performers just can't do. And I say that as a stunt performer. So with all due respect to stunt performers who are some of the most incredible athletes in the world, but wrestling is a, a specific type of conditioning that you have to come to, like you say, like there's no way of faking being 18 feet, <laughs> maybe not 18 feet, 11 feet in the air, and then just being driven down onto your spine. Like even if you land perfectly, there's the human body isn't really designed to do that unless you kind of cultivate an ability to absorb uh, phenomenal amounts of impact. Um, but yeah, I, I have a firm belief that um, anyone who doesn't like wrestling probably just hasn't seen wrestling because you've seen it on TV and I can understand how seeing it on TV, you could be like, mm, this is sort of dumb. The acting is bad. The, the violence is obviously very fake, but come and see good wrestling live. And I honestly believe it. You can't leave the room, even if you're not a fan of wrestling, being fucking impressed by what you've seen because the mm -hmm. things these people can do with their bodies, not just smashing into the floor, because I can understand why people would think that's dumb. Why would you do it? But the flips and the tricks and the ability to tell a story without saying a word, and so I spent my life doing that, telling stories without saying words by punching other people in the face or being punched in the face. Um, and so I thought, why don't we combine this with the obviously oldest form of telling stories, which is with words and do them both at the same time, which for some reason had never occurred to a human being before to be like, <laughs> why don't we do the acting and also the fighting? And apparently no one had thought about that. So I thought I'd try it's it. It's so weird, actually, that no one has yeah yeah well it is weird i think people have thought about it but what people haven't done is try it because the ability to convincingly act on stage is incredibly difficult the ability to be dropped on your head at 200 miles an hour and not die is incredibly difficult whilst remembering 20 minutes of choreography trying to find performers who can simultaneously remember two hours of dialogue and storyline and two also hours. my show is two hours long and it didn't feel two hours either which oh was, wow which yeah. was uh, i'm even more bummed out i didn't get to go yeah. no it will happen again yeah, um, of course. but to do that whilst also remembering half a dozen semi-choreographed fights that each go on for a number of minutes um the, the sheer risk of just be knocking yourself down uh, knocking your head a little bit and forgetting 
the next 90 minutes of dialogue is all very fucking real. And as the show goes on and, and people get like a bloody nose or welts across their chest or just a bit rattled as you do from an adrenaline dump, we have mm. nowhere to go. We can't just go backstage, recover and have an ice bath. We have to go back out and do the next hour of the show whilst like mopping up the blood or kind of icing your elbow, whatever it might be. So what I'm getting at here is I just don't think there are that many performers out there who can pull that shit off. And I got very lucky um in being surrounded by an, a phenomenal group of people who somehow did it so i think that it has occurred to people to do but actually doing it is a whole different thing but uh, so it's we, not really a show you do back to back yeah it will be i know, <laughs> I know this doesn't sound real uh I, it sounds like the kind of thing that you need a fortnight to recover from um but the reality is yeah if you do it right we we sh- I, I i want to tour the show uh, very regularly and we're putting the schedule together for 2022 so but yeah it's cool and thank you for coming and thank you for talking about it on on your podcast because um are we are we ever gonna do the approved by dr nordvik stickers i have it i have it i just like it was 24 hours too late to put on my poster but uh, i i see if i can send it in the chat group here i have the sticker i have the sticker yeah <laughs> the best professor. <laughs> <laughs> look like a maniac <laughs> yeah which is what we wanted yes that is true <laughs> that's one of the beautiful things ed um is, is that it's the venue you picked was perfect and hopefully wherever you do you can replicate that because it was a, a 360 experience um mm-hmm. obviously for uh, more anybody listening most people weren't there um so you had the uh, the i guess it was a wrestling ring but without the the side you know, the corner post and the um the ropes so it was just the mat so it was it was completely open and, and, and bare and honest. You had no place to hide because it was in the middle and it was Coliseum style seating, three sixty round. So so even even down to where I was sat on one side, being sat on the opposite side, you would almost get a different experience. Oh, completely. Um, whilst it's still the same show, you get you know it, it, you, people facing you. You see a different angle. Um, so it, it was. That part of it, I thought, was absolutely beautiful, and hopefully, that's something that you can replicate. It wasn't just a stage in front of you; it was that immersive experience, which was really, which is really fun and different. I'd never been to something like that. Um, yeah, well, it doesn't happen very often. It's called theatre in the round, which means the audience is all around you, and it's a very different way of performing that comes naturally to professional wrestlers because we have a four-sided stage, uh, but isn't very common in theatre circles where obviously the audience is normally in front of you and you perform everything out there. So it changes a lot the way that you perform and the way that you engage with the audience, but also the experience the audience has because, like you say, depending on what side of the stage you're at, you'll be have an eye line for one character and not another. Um, so the way that I, I wrote the script and we put the blocking together was such that I, I like to think wherever you sit in the place, you'll have a different experience because what the show is, is meant. I, I'm not trying to make theater and I'm not trying to make wrestling. I'm trying to make live mythology into its own thing. And, and as far as I'm concerned, live mytho- mythology isn't something you sit and just like watch happen over there or on the screen. You want to be in it and you want to be witnessing it. And when you want to hear the people hit the floor, you want to see the spit fly out of their mouths when they're angry. Uh, you know, you want to, you want to just, when someone hits someone else, you want to hear it, not just like, you want to feel the contact of someone else's skin, because then you realize that what is happening in front of you is real. And obviously I'm not actually punching that man in anger, but in that moment, I have to hit him. It's the only true reaction to the situation we have created. Uh, and so I fucking hit the dude. 
And yeah, I'm not, I'm <laughs> going to try not to knock his teeth out, but I'm going to hit him because that yeah. we're telling truth. And that's the joy of mythology is that they are, they are true stories that don't represent actual events in the past, but they represent true and accurate human experiences. And so if we can put a small and it has to be small and intimate theater together, I, I can't do a theater that has more than two or 300 people because then you're removed from the show so i want to make a small theater where you can see everything and when i when i fucking scream at loki's face i want people to know that i mean it and when i get picked up by a seven foot giant and dropped to my spine i want everyone there to feel me get dropped to my spine yeah. and be like oh god that poor man has to do two more hours of theater because because <laughs> <laughs> that's the point Dude. man yeah that's the point rather than just engaging with these stories as abstract concepts you're like and then the fight happened and he was very tired i want people to see the blood and the sweat running down our bodies as we do it because like that's the point of them that's why the stories are inspiring because they're human stories they're not they're not just nonsense so thanks dude well it'll always be small we won't yeah. be doing Wembley anytime soon <laughs> oh, you never know maybe one day um no one like they like say one of my takeaways was that you could tell that everybody was on the edge of the seats um and I, I said obviously I was there with Sarah and she's quite reserved um and a, and a shy person but even even with her, she was on the edge of a sea. And when and when you got dropped, well, she knows you personally anyway. You know, we were friends. Um, and when you when you got dropped, you could I could hear a gasp and <laughs> and and audibly make like make noise like oh, like it's shock. And that's very unusual for her to kind of react in that way to things. And that's and at that point, I was like, that's how immersive this is. That that's that that's pulled that kind of reaction right out of, I mean out of her. If you talk to people about media, people will tell you that, that a 21st century audience is desensitized to violence. They'll tell you that you go to the cinema and you watch someone get blown up and people won't have an emotional reaction because they've seen it so many times. But put me in front of a small audience and I will hit someone so fucking hard that people will gasp or like <laughs> clutch their mouths or turn to each other or walk out the arena right we're not desensitized to violence we've just we put it over there and we remove ourselves from it from a screen but i can do a thousand things in front of a live audience that will get a, a more of an emotional reaction from them so we're not desensitized what we lack is 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 traditional and modern storytelling techniques and those things are live because human beings are alive and our experiences are of as living beings watching other living beings not seeing a screen I, f I fully agree. I fully agree. And I, I think one of the things that's happening these days is, is, is people are really are really looking to these ancient stories to I think in some sense, people are even like, you know, in the Renaissance period, you had people looking to because the Middle East, medieval times had broken down, right? So they were looking to a time when time made when something made sense, you know, mm. the Greco Roman times, you know, where there were men and they could <laughs> organize things and they could you know, things like that. But I think today what's happening is, is actually that people are again looking back because the world doesn't make sense. The world we live in doesn't make sense. Everything's breaking up. Everything is old systems don't work anymore. It sort of ties into what I was talking about earlier. And now I think people are looking even further back in time. We're not looking to a specific time where time where things made sense. We're looking to a time of primal, something human, something to make us feel alive again uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. mythology is those things but it has to be because that can easily become a very 
a crystallized solid thing as well you know oh you know because definitely odin went over there he didn't over go over here and he de definitely you know it can easily become that thing again so what you're doing is that you're 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 playing around with the dynamics of mythology of course using some you know iconography and and names and so on that people can relate to and understand and so on but again just just playing with it you know, mm. the playfulness of mythology and telling stories. That's that's really the important thing. So I think yeah, so. I, I, I commemorate you for that. And I yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it, man. Really. Am. Oh, thanks. We're going to do it. Well, we're going to do it lots of times, hopefully. Um, want to get a petition to get it on at Midgard's blot. I think that would be a perfect place for it. But we need a little bit of clout to do that. We'll, we'll put a word in for you. <laughs> shouting yeah, yeah. it. I'm shou shouting it. Shouting it. I'm sending Runa, Runa texts every day. Well, yeah. <laughs> every, every day. day. Every single day. Probably not helping. <laughs> <laughs> probably not doing the opposite. <laughs> All right. Should we, should we do, we'll do some, uh, some questions because we've had a, a bunch in. Before we, before we move on, if anybody does get a chance to go see Ed's show, please do. Um, like I say, it was the, the most fun of two hours that I've had in a long time. And that includes going to see like blockbuster movies, everything like just just being there live, seeing it. And and it's not just because we're friends. I absolutely loved it. I had such a good time and I couldn't give you enough good feedback on it. Um, and you could tell that you absolutely loved what you did and you put your heart and soul into it. At the end, when you got your standing ovation, I... I I have no shame in admitting that I teared up just because you could tell the pride that you had um, and what, and the whole event was just so good. And you could tell that everybody enjoyed it that um, yeah, you should be really proud of what, of what you did. And hopefully you can replicate Thanks, that, that time and time again. I hope forward. so. I mean, I've done thousands of live performances uh, and that was the first time in my life. I, I quit wrestling for performance performance anxiety reasons because i got to the point where i didn't feel i could live up to people's expectations of me and that show was the first time i have my, i even took my own heart rate on the way to the stage as my intro music was playing and it was like a rock solid like 54 beats a minute like dush, dush. I, like i have I, I was less nervous doing that show than i am just getting up in the morning because i had so much faith in everyone around me that they were going to fucking crush it that all I had to felt I had to do was go out there and be real. So thank you very much. I'm really glad that that came across. So yeah, we'll do more a hundred percent. Like if I even have to sell my organs to do it, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to uh, love to make use of having Jonas here while he's here to answer some Yule questions. Yeah. Matthias is, as well can uh, give us some answer to these Yule, Yule festivity questions. Um, yeah. You know a thing or two, don't you? I hope you're not talking to me because no, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I guess, I guess this one, this one's just from me. Just can we get an outline on what Yule is um, on a quick kind of scale? Like what would you class Yule? Cause, because I think pe people link it to Christmas very much and kind of just replace Christmas for Yule. Um, so kind of like what, traditional yule would be i guess but, but daniel but daniel i have to i have to stop you before matthias asks this question because you're, you're you're making you're making a slight mistake in the way you ask the question because if you want this to be can we just please settle it once and for all what does yule mean well you if you're asking what it means like in terms of etymology 
I mean, what does Yule, the word Yule means? Then it's a quick question. But what does Yule mean? I mean, there's a gigantic question. You'd have I, to be more specific. I mean, like... I mean, as a, I guess, as a, as a celebration, as an event. Because I think a lot of people, they'll say, like, Happy Yule. And like I say, it's, it's a lot of people just interchange it for Christmas. It will be... Oh, okay. they, they, I guess they will be... They'll be pagan in their beliefs. So rather than saying Happy Christmas, they'll say Merry Yule or whatever. Um, and it will be very much changed for that. Um, and that, that's kind of what I was getting at. It's pretty simple. Like the, the modern English word Yule uh, comes from the old English word Gil. And it's a, a word for this holiday that uh, happens around this time of year. Uh, the, uh, the origin of the uh, the word itself or presumed origin etymology of it all um, is uh, is that it has its origin in in the proto-germanic yehula um, which is uh, a, we can find the gothic uh, version of it yules and that is a um, cognate uh, with uh, the word joke and um, the uh, also the french joli um jolly so it, it has to do with Julie you know, means beautiful uh the so so let, let me just uh so what the french did was that they borrowed uh the um the old nordic uh yold as jolif and then ah, um, jolif okay and then it becomes jolie and pretty and nice but it was originally it was originally festive um so that's how that uh, that works out um, so, so, I mean, it's, it's literally a word that back in the day when people would use it frequently, uh, and not just like archaically, like we do now, um, would mean festivities and fest and so on. So, so basically when, when, um, when he sings, have yourself a merry little Christmas, make the yuletide gay. What he's basically saying is make the gay tide gay. Exactly. Um, that's that's funny. That is funny. Now, now there's also <laughs> there's also another component to this, and that is uh, um, that if if you ask me, there's also an old uh, connection to uh, sacrifices. Um, so it's a festivities where you're uh, doing sacrifices. Right. So so that's probably what it would have meant prior to Christianity as well. Okay. So that's gonna take me on to the, the the first proper question i guess from from someone and i'm going to butcher so many names throughout this um so bear with me i apologize to anybody who's asked the question i read your name out and it's horrendous um i do apologize so i guess the first one is iska jensen which is um what's the original yule date um and i'm going to piggyback onto that and like is, i guess is it tied to the winter solstice i assume that it is no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I thought this was going to be a quick That's question. Two different things. <laughs> no. So if so there are there are some theories about when Yule actually occurred, right? Um, and Andreas Nordberg is uh, the primary scholar who has proposed the current. <laughs> I uh, feel like you've just made you've just turned yourself into another character there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he's like that's just your c- cinnamon 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 you're getting confused cinnamon? with some of their old uh 
spice rituals there. <laughs> yeah, the old cinnamon, <laughs> cinnamon uh, That's just a cinnamon for yourself. Cinnamon. <laughs> Is it cinnamon? Synonym. Synonym. <laughs> what Ed Sim. said. What Ed said. That one. <laughs> Synonym. Synonym. Yes. Synonym. <laughs> Probably synonym. the Latin sin meaning same. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, okay, so Karen, where you where you were at? I can't remember where I'm at. <laughs> like, you were telling us that everything we wanted to believe was wrong, as per usual. And you were pointing out that Yule and uh, the solstice are, in fact, different things. One of them has something to do with cinnamon, and the other one is something that you, under a pseudonym, which is another confusing word, uh, have declared. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that was not me. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, I, I, I think, I guys, unfortunately, as much as I'd really like to stick around for this, I do really have to get on with things. Uh, because now, now I know Matthias is going to get into lunar calendars and fucking this, that, and the other. Uh, so because the solstice basically might have been a thing, but it wasn't Yule because Yule had something to do with the moon and wasn't something to do with the sun. Although the sun thing was probably an important thing because everyone everywhere has always celebrated the time when the sun comes back, but that has nothing to do with Yule. So... That was a very short way of answering <laughs> what Matthias is going to get into. Conciseness earlier. I well, feel like this podcast could be whittled second... down to like a 10-minute thing. If But it's going to be super interesting what Matthias is going to say anyways. <laughs> but I know all of, all of it because I live very close by to Josh, who they had on uh, an episode last year, who told me all about this. So hmm. he comes, Actually, he comes over frequently to tell you the same thing. Again he comes over to... Yeah, exactly. He just, come, he just sends me texts all the time just telling me. <laughs> Actually, the lunar solar. <laughs> you remember the thing about the yes, yes, I know, Josh. For God's sake, leave we me do alone. this episode every year, and I forget. <laughs> Twelve months oh. go by, and I forget what we spoke about. I still sit here every year, like, hang on a minute, what the fuck's you will again? And Mateus will say things, and I'm like, oh yeah, that that rings a bell now. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Oh gosh, I'm- yeah, guys, I sorry, I gotta go, but. This was awesome, and uh, have have a great time. And 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 to all the patrons and, and and to everyone out there listening, Merry fucking Christmas! Yeah, <laughs> Merry Yule. Lovely Merry to Yule. speak to you. Yeah, you too, Ed. Bye, Matthias. Bye, Daniel. <laughs> Chaos has ensued, but we are going to get back on track. Well, Mate- I'll get us back on track. You can always trust old reliable Ed. The word you were looking for earlier <laughs> was probably pseudonym. Pseudonym, not, not what's synonym. A, what's a synonym? A synonym is, is a word that means the same as another word because it means the same, hence sin. Uh, whereas a pseudonym is like a false name, hence pseudo. Uh, so, for example, Man Smooth is one of my pseudonyms, uh, which is my erotic <laughs> fiction pen name. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wish was a joke. <laughs> Man smooth, nice. Man smooth. Yep. Yep. It's out there. You can buy it. It's Christmas time. I desperately need the cash, so please do. <laughs> oh.
Mouth in case anyone mice. does want to buy it as a Christmas present, I once I once sold it um, as a Christmas package that came with a, a sensual candle, a small packet of lube, and uh, oh, some Kleenex. Yeah. <laughs> Two N's and an E in the end of smooth. <laughs> <laughs> the, book, oh, wow. the book is called uh, The Sexy Adventures of Stan Booth. Uh, who Stan Booth, <laughs> Stan Booth being yet another pseudonym for Man Smooth. There are layers upon layers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. How wonderful. Yeah. So it's not just okay. theater I do. <laughs> so so did did we want did we want to hear about the the what is actually Yule or Nope. Oh, um, okay, good. In short. <laughs> no, no, we do. No, we do. Sounds really interesting. Okay. So the predominant theory on this currently in circulation and scholarship um, contrived by Andreas Nordberg. Uh, Which is definitely not you. <laughs> Which is definitely not me. Not you. Um, what Nordberg has uh, proposed is that um, the, the ancient Scandinavians had a lunisolar calendar. And that means Basically, they would count months and they would calibrate counting months based off of the winter and summer solstices. Right? Okay. So because um, math doesn't really work with the calendar, that we, we get a get a situation where um, where we, we and that's why we have um, what do you call those years where you have an extra day and leap years, leap year, exactly. That's why we have that stuff. So, his proposal is that they actually had a leap month every third year. So, every third year, there would be an extra month. Sounds and, very straightforward, yes, <laughs> it totally isn't. Now, um, the suggestion is then that the um. Uh, the winter solstice plays a role in determining when the Yule celebration happens after the winter solstice. Okay? Right. So it is in that month that comes after. And that would then be, um, depending on uh, which theory we're working with, uh, it could be the new moon or uh, some other designated date in there. There have been a couple of suggestions since his uh, thesis was written. Um, but yeah, that's that's the, the basic rundown here that we're dealing with. So, so the winter solstice itself is perhaps not the um, Yule celebration, but a date further, further into the future after the winter solstice is where the Yule celebration um, occurs. But could they could they not be linked in a sense of that the the winter solstice is the start of the celebration and then Yule is the celebration of that we're going back into the the sunny cycle of of life, I guess, and and life's coming back. So what is probably the case here, and this is if you if you look at the uh, this sort of like the the anthropological evidence of this kind of stuff is that these the, these periods they have like a long like some kind of like longer period of time where we are doing celebrations right so we're tra- probably talking about a a a period of um, of different kinds of uh, holidays 
that have different meanings and different ritual acts and all that stuff, right? But here's what's definitely not at all a historical situation. And that is a bunch of people uh, coming together on the winter, winter solstice to um, burn uh, some kind of uh, sun wheel looking effigy. That's some modern bullshit that people came up with in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we, and this is also the, the case in, in, in Christian times in the medieval period, you also have like the, like the Christmas period is, is not just Jesus's fucking birthday, right? It's a series of different um, holidays that come within the range of uh, what is it from Jesus's birthday to uh, holy what do you call that in English? The Holy Three Kings or whatever you call that. Um, the Three Wise Men. The Three Wise Men. I don't know. January 6th is usually what we're looking for. Um, well, we call that um, European Tattoo Ban Day. I see. <laughs> That's the fourth, though. So Well, I mean, you say it's the fourth, but scholars disagree. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk to a Nordvik. He has strong opinions. <laughs> I mean, it used to be January the 4th, but after 800 years of every third year, there being an extra month, then it became January the 6th. <laughs> exactly. That, that's how it went. And then you also have like other holidays dedicated to saints, right? You have St. Lucia, you have uh, St. Martin, you know, you know, all of these different days. St. Martin? Yes. It's a terrible in, name. In Denmark, um, we eat a goose in his honor i eat a goose every day what of it i think you're special (laughs) i I don't know well i guess you're danes (laughs) (laughs) we are some rapscallions that's what we are there we go all right let's let's jump on to the to the next question of those we're going to be here oh yeah this is a Q&A. all night i'm going to try to do the 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 quick light-hearted questions like i said we covered yule in depth so anybody who wants to really get into that, just go listen to the episode. Anyone who really get, wants to get into it, go back to this same episode last year where apparently they already did this exactly. and Dan forgot all of it. I, well, yes. yes. Oh, wait, wait. And there's another episode where they get into it like heavy Yule. And they I, and this I whole explained episode, it should like... much better in those episodes anyway. So Yeah. Yeah, no, that, like I said, this, this, I'm going to try and do the more personal questions. People can go back to that episode and, and get in-depth stuff there there's no point as going over it time and time again um so ihana talvi again i'm going to butcher the names wants to know how do we celebrate yule fall slash christmas um and like what do we what do we eat decorate you know how how do we celebrate it i'm going to go to you first mateus because i imagine ed is going to be off the wall in some way (laughs) <laughs> what I'm, I'm gonna be kind of vanilla and and it's gonna be like <laughs> deep in the dungeon okay um yeah so what do i do for celebration of yule um i eat a duck <laughs> what you eat wait duck or goose no goose is for saint martin of course one idiot yes. Yeah, how could I forget goose for St. Martin? And then I then I do then I do funky shit on the solstice. Um and I do uh things that I'm not going to divulge to the public um between the solstice and uh sometime in January. God, that's a long time. 
that's like a face of expression. Yes. <laughs> but there will be um, um, some uh, uh, jolly, merry uh, walking around a Christmas tree uh, and singing songs about eating the Christmas tree because that's apparently a Danish tradition. Eating the Christmas tree? Yes. Oh my God. People are animals. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I thought you were going to be the one that was. Uh, yeah, there, right. But top that. No, I'm pretty traditional. Um, oh God, um, my family a long time ago, on account of me giving up on society and therefore being impoverished forever, uh, my family very kindly got rid of the the gift giving element of Christmas, so that now we do the, the kind of. Um, like secret santa-esque you know you each just buy one gift for one another so mm -hmm. we got we got rid of all of the stress and trauma and financial burden of the festive season uh and that allowed us to actually enjoy it rather than resenting it deeply from the october onwards um so we still do that i have spent i think every christmas um ever um uh one time we were in africa which is where my mum was born and raised so we spent uh we we spent uh christmas day in the seas of africa but otherwise now i'm pretty traditional where uh, we get shit-faced and uh, insult one another so you know we don't eat any christmas trees or geese yeah i think I, i'm with you on that i just have a very traditional christmas most of my family lives abroad so it just tends to be me sarah and her dad and we eat a lot of food drink a lot of alcohol and just just hang out and appreciate everything i guess um so yeah we don't we don't do any secret rituals in the forest that we don't want to divulge to the public yeah um yeah i think we're you guys are so time, boring we're quite boring yeah <laughs> i um, think like around the solstice um you know more of secret shenanigans go down and we chose to spend this solstice with sean uh sacred knot tattoo as some people know him in his resident cave up in north wales where you know where you kind of one can cavort and consume illegal substances and you know trip balls we didn't do some of that a lot of that this year because um yeah it all got a bit you know covid scary so you have to sort of it's not as easy to revel when you can't lick one another's faces so uh, that's what we normally like to do around oh of course and scandinavian body schnapps I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's got to be part of Christmas too, you know. Isn't body schnapps something that people put on Tinder? Body schnapps is what I hope it's what I think it is. Um, is it okay? Go is on. Is it what it sounds like it would be? Go on. <laughs> drinking schnapps in some way off somebody's body. Well, yeah. I mean, so the the schnapps goes in a glass, right? Oh, but well. That's taking the fun out. That's just it. snaps. Well, so you you make the person uh, who supplies body uh, to this situation. Um, first of all, um, make sure that they they do cleavage, right? Um, man or woman, that really depends on your, your personal flavor here. Uh, crush some uh, uh, Turkish pepper, uh, the, the the licorice bonbons that uh, some of you have seen me eat before and drizzle it, drizzle it uh, between the um, cleavage, right? Or in the cleavage. Then you have them. <laughs> 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 I'm 
bloody done yet. <laughs> then, then you have them. He's in Scandinavia. Brilliant. What <laughs> the what the fuck is going on? Then you have I them. Love that there's always like 19 steps as well. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you have them uh, hold a pickled herring in their mouth. Fuck off. Nah. No. False. 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 <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be a buzzer on this show where you hit it where it just like meh, bullshit the first thing you do is that you um, snort the crushed um, Turkish pepper bonbons and then you uh, chuck the schnapps shot and then you gobble down the herring I mean to be fair this is coming from the person who told us that on your 21st birthday if you're not married you get cinnamon thrown on you. Or is it 25th, 25th or 30th, yes. 25th? Yes. Which is in, as, as equally bonkers. But you can find pictures of that. Well, that turned out to be true, yeah. No, you, 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 you told the truth. Uh, okay, the next one is from So, so Willif. So Willif. How do you know however that's pronounced? Um, how can pagans reconstruct Yule through rituals or sacrifice? What suggestions and ideas? And I guess this one's coming to you, Matthias. Um, anything that you, I guess, you can talk about publicly? Well, I mean, you can do it when, in whichever way you feel most comfortable and, and however you find it meaningful to do so. I'm not going to sit here and tell people to cut the head off of the chicken or something like that. I've never, definitely never done that. Um, or, or, you know, any other kind of animal sacrifice. I don't know. I mean, if it's legal, you can do that. Um, I mean, there are some places that have laws against that stuff and some places that have other regulations. But yeah, I mean, uh, it, some of the ways that, you know, you could uh, uh, reconstruct or recreate or revive or however you want to uh, express that are, of course, by reading those um, very few scant so sources that are around that can tell you a little bit about um, what they did back then uh, for Yule and uh, then, you know, work from there and build out from there. Would, uh, would a starting point be to live your entire life around a lunar and unisolar calendar for like 30 years until it's actually something that you celebrate genuinely rather than making up? <laughs> And be if like, I enough. I celebrate Yule now because I've decided my haircut suits it. Oh, <laughs> I don't know who who asked this question. It's not a dig on them. I just well, that, I'm always that, amazed by the number of that's people. That's half who just... our listenership gone now. Ed. Yeah, thanks well, for, yeah. thanks for that, mate. <laughs> thanks for alienating. <laughs> We've invited you on so many yeah. times. And this, this is, is my it. plan all along. Wait for this the fourth invite do. back and then fuck everything up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, like, don't just pretend to celebrate a tradition because it's like, you know. It's meant to be a genuine celebration, just like, oh, I celebrate schmuggersmucks now because apparently that's what my ancestors did. And, you know, maybe learn a bit about it first. If you have to ask how to celebrate your own celebrations, maybe they're not your celebrations. Um, that's not, again, not having a dig at that particular person, just in general. That's really sound like you are. <laughs> well, I am very angry about it. <laughs> no, so, I mean, uh, it's, I, I think you make a lot of sense in many ways. Like, um, what what what's wrong with celebrating the the um the, the, the traditions you've grown up with yeah um if you i mean like i come from a country that has very strong christian traditions i don't mind celebrating those christian traditions like and then i have my own little 
paganistic flavor to it and you know those kinds but of also things. like i don't know man maybe it's just me i just don't put that much emphasis on tradition like if I'm, I'm i'm a modern person who grew up in a modern context if i choose to celebrate yule i'll celebrate it however the fuck i want to celebrate yule i won't look back 800 years to see how they did it when they lived in chickens and worshiped the sun because i don't do that it just seems like a really weird and artificial way to go about your own spirituality is like i better just check in this book how i meant to feel ah fuck off your own thing <laughs> see that's a positive spin on it yeah i mean uh, i mean without alienating the guy who asked the question i tend to agree with you <laughs> um all right this one i'm gonna we're gonna move i'm gonna move off from the the yule stuff because there's some fun questions i want to get to before we wrap up they're just mm-hmm. generically based um sh- hopefully we can just knock them out quickly um some of some of these i'm gonna shorten them down where i need to so so the first, this one comes from one of our patrons, or patrons, um, Ali Dwyer. And to shorten it down, what available source material do we have that is accurate that we can we go? Because obviously on the podcast, we we go into a lot of stuff saying it's inaccurate, especially with like Snorri, how we can't necessarily trust what he says. Um, so where would you, or what do you think, Matthias, is the most accurate place to go to find out what people in the Viking Age um, would have actually believed, if there even is any. There isn't. There's no... um, So thinking about it in terms of accurate um, is, is, is not helpful when it comes to the source material because the source material is like this eclectic bunch of material culture and literature and the literature is usually written by people who um, were observing um, Vikings, right? So you have, or or had heard, you know, stuff about Vikings. Like Adam of Bremen is a great example, right? He's like some German Christian sitting in a monastery in Hamburg, written writing a, a book. Um, that is mostly about the history of the archbishops of Hamburg. But then he, you know, adds a little uh, chapter on, oh yeah, these pagans up in Sweden. Um, and, and he's like, and, and I know this for, for very true because like I got it from the Danish king. Um, so so that, that's like one example, like how, how accurate could that ever be, right? Um, it's, uh, and in the same way, we have uh, we have like a guy like Ibn Fadlan, Ahmed Ibn Fadlan, who's like hanging out at the banks of the Volca River. Um, he's there because he needs to instruct um, the local king in proper Islamic behavior, that kind of stuff. And then he happens to encounter these uh, presumed Vikings, uh, possibly from Sweden. And uh, then he gives us like a very thorough description of what they look like and what they do and how they bury the chieftain and all that stuff. And you know, what's interesting is that like pretty much everything he says um, fits the bill when we look at the archaeology of it all. Um, of course, you know, they're, they're, I mean, he, he describes a, a ship burial and he describes it things that are being sacrificed and the the animals and people and and food and and all that stuff and you know what you can go go look at uh, uh, ship burials in scandinavia and it's like yeah that pretty much looks like exactly what happened right um then of course um going back to the discussion of the tattooing in the uh, in the chat um he says that they're tattooed and nobody will believe him on that one 
right? Mm. We'll be leaving on everything else except the tattooing part. So mm. yeah, um, crazy. So, yeah, crazy, right? So those Don't are they some know that it's carcinogenic. <laughs> exactly. That's why they didn't do it. So, so, so there's this. These are two examples of very two two very different uh, observers who have written sources telling us about Vikings. Right? You can use the information in both sources, but you shouldn't ever uh, assume that it's accurate. Um, or indeed, because... use it as a basis for your entire identity. Exactly. And personality. Please, please don't don't do that. And then you have the saga literature, which is a bunch of Icelanders sitting around later on after the Viking age, fantasizing about what Vikings were. Some of it is accurate. A lot of it is bullshit, right? Um, but they're fun stories. You have some poetry that's like hard to decipher. And, you know, scholars, they have been arguing about what they, it's actually saying for centuries and then we got all the stuff that we find in the ground and some of it we can contextualize use, using those literary sources some of it we, we can contextualize from you know the other the physical contexts involved and some of it we're just like what the hell is that like the um the weird rattle they found in in Oseberg, right this like weird bent metal that's got like metal hanging from it and it's like what the hell is that for we have no idea but people theorize there's probably some kind of musical instrument or or whatever and i'm pretty sure that some of those uh heathen style bands are actually using it uh in their music nowadays <laughs> i'm sure I, I i thought i read that those rattles were to be put in the the mouths of the um so on, on like outside of the the tent with with obviously the they had the ornate mouths they would be put in there and it would be to ward off like the evil spirits who would rattle if if they were coming out again i cannot wait to hear what people say about the shit they find from our age exactly (laughs) it's just gonna be the best yeah absolutely (laughs) so that's that's the thing like there's no 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 evidence for for okay. what you just said right there like but it's a it's a it's a possible theory right that, that i find that that's part of the beauty when it comes to to this whole topic and when i when i when i first started this podcast i was very much like the viking bros are out there now that i, I kind of pick on almost and but I, I i empathize because you you start this journey you don't know where to go and you just read bits of information and you kind of attach it and just assume it's real because you don't have time to really research it or you don't have the the FL you don't want to and you just kind of carry on with your with your life um but we know so little that you can you can put your own spin on anything in your own life and interpret things the way you want to do especially with the mythology you really can interpret it how you want and nobody can tell you otherwise and you will get people that tell you otherwise and they will pretend that they know 100% fact for what things are but the, the reality is they don't um and and like I said the the one thing that I have learned majorly from doing this podcast is that we know fucking nothing for certain so you know when I came into doing this I probably thought that we knew all this stuff for, for accurate you know so much stuff was accurate like like this, Odin was this, Thor was this, they did this. And, and I just assumed that these things were set in stone. And then when we started going through the episodes, it was it got broke down to the fact where it's just broken down everything I thought that I knew. And really the reality is that 
we know nothing. And, and that is, it, it's, it's annoying in a sense that, yes, I would like to know what everything was. But on the other hand, it, it's beautiful that you, we have these, these characters this, this time that we can also put, build into our own lives and put our own interpretation on things and, 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 and enjoy and love. Um, so it, it's kind of landed in that weird space of what we know and don't know that that's almost why you, I guess you get this amount of so many arguments about it because it's just this weird position of, we know some, but, but we don't know enough. And, and it's, it kind of exists in the middle. This ground. is where the, it then requires a lot of, uh, you know, discipline on the people who are interpreting, right? Those, those people who, who take it upon themselves, try to interpret and understand this past that is so weirdly fragmented and eclectic and whatever. Um, they need to have two, two things, competence and integrity, right? And that's, that's where we get a real problem, I would say, because we, we have a lot of amateurs. I think most people who try to, you know, work with this stuff, they, they do it, uh, who are amateurs, right? They, they're genuine in their, in their pursuit. They're not trying to fool anybody or, or, or turn stuff into things that are not, right? But we definitely also have people who do that, right? Who are amateurs or even in some cases, you also unfortunately have people who actually should have competence, but then lack integrity in different ways. The problem is then that they, you know, they, they send out their, their stuff out into the world and then everybody else gets confused, right? All the people who are trying to build a competence in, in, in all of this. So, But to so be fair, a, if you're trying to build your competence through like Facebook comment sections, then maybe you deserve to forever be an ignoramus. <laughs> maybe um but there are there are also platforms out there that represent themselves as 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 you know real sober uh, platforms mm. of integrity i'm looking at you wikipedia all the fucking rune reading books out there right? oh like we, we we have all these uh rune magicians who decide to write a book about casting runes and doing rune spells and and it's like they where the f what the fuck like the, the, all they really do is confuse people who are genuinely interested in, in in these things because then 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 you read something about how runes were used for divination and this and that and it's like well i i actually got i i, I got into one of my little facebook chats what? with someone someone the other day about um because he was offering he was offering rune readings by somebody sends them their name and their photo and he's like he's going to cast the runes and tell you tell you your future and i was like and and, and i i i i was i tried to be nice enough about it. i was like look this is based on no historical accuracy like what this is it's just modern it's modern kind of interpretation or whatever it, it's modern shite really um but i was like at least you're not charging people for you know for this it was you were kind of doing it free but don't at least don't try not to pretend that it's real when it's not you just and i found it so bizarre that kind of so, there was so many people messaging or leaving messages saying oh please can you can you can you tell me my future can you do room reading for me 
It's like, what? Do you really think someone on the other side of the world can just look at a picture of you and get your name and cast the runes and suddenly be able to tell you your, your future? Um, and I, I found it insane, but I also found it intriguing how many people replied and wanted this, this doing. And that's why I couldn't help myself to kind of comment and say, look, this is not a historical well, practice. It, dude, even if it this was is... a historical practice, does that, that change anything? Like if, if people have been casting runes historically and making up bullshit about the future, does that make it somehow more justified that the fact that when someone didn't even understand like the nature of disease, that they thought that by casting rune bones, they could read the future? Well, that, that, that lends some legitimacy to it in an era where no one could read, you know, the air, yeah, the, the, we'll use their practices. Like, man, I have shitloads of rune books and I love... I love all the things connected to rune magic. I find it deeply interesting and and spiritual and exciting to me. I mean, I wouldn't charge someone to tell their future because that sounds insane. But I I, I love that people have found a way of connecting with their own interpretations of the world and the symbolisms that they they see. But I like you have never understood why that needs to have a basis. People are like oh, this was this was done in the twentieth century, don't you know? I'm like cool. You know, if it was done in the 20th century, chances are it's more friggin' accurate than if it was done at the turn of the millennium when no one knew anything about anything. Like, basing shit in history doesn't make them fine. Like, there's just there's not an argument for anything, unless you're saying this is how the clothing would have looked back then, at which point you could actually have a an educated discussion about whether they could stitch things that way. Whether it's <laughs> thick casting runes to tell the future doesn't make it more accurate because it was done 2,000 years ago. Like, that's Oh, question, question. Ed, so you appreciate the magic stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, do you believe that there is magic to it, like that you can do magic with with rune casting? Well, de well, define magic, I guess. Do you believe that you're connecting to, to some kind of something spiritual, metaphysical, or something like that with with runes? If metaphysical, no. Uh, okay. If you can, if you can separate spiritual from metaphysical, then I'd say yes. I think there's a lot of things you can experience on a non-conscious level that I believe you can tap into using runes, not because runes are special, but because they're symbols that you can come to associate subconsciously with things, and that could be okay. a picture of a dog as much as it could be Tiwaz. Um, mm -hmm. So, that's so the, the only the as as somebody who has a similar uh, approach to that. Um, I'd say that uh, there is a big problem in, uh, you know, quote unquote, what people say working with runes uh, the, and these systems that have been invented for modern times because they were invented by uh, racist, Slavophobic, uh, right. psychopathic uh, Austrians and and Nazi Germans and that kind of stuff. It's like that whole rune reading system is being reproduced over and over and over in different books. Comes straight from uh, Guido von List and his Ariosophy and all that stuff, mm. which is basically a uh, it, like was invented as a as a system that could channel the ancient Aryan energies and create a new uh, fascist uh, uh, world uh, um, religion that uh, mm. would put um, some blonde haired blue eyed uh, SS soldier on top of that all of that shit. Mm. So so if if we're if you're thinking about all of this in terms of like this system has some magical uh, capacity to it. I will then ask, well, is that magical capacity then not in inextricably linked 
to that fascist bullshit. And would we then, wow. if we don't, if we don't want to cultivate that stuff, would we then want to find other ways? Well, sure, but like, do you do you do you think that the the racist origins sort of would sort of be intrinsically linked? Like, you know, your playing cards could have been invented by the Nazis, but that doesn't mean the Ace of Spades necessarily proves like Aryan dominance, right? I mean, if there were runes that were, oh, I've I've drawn the white power rune. That's interesting. I wonder what that means. Like, that, that, I'd agree. Like, this well, seems see, like this an is insane... the thing, right? Because the interesting thing is that now what you do is that you infer rationalism into it, right? Oh, okay. So, 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 so now what we do is then like, oh, okay. So we have been faced with the situation of like, oh, wait a minute, this is like uh, all basically invented by by people who had like, a, a, you know, a purpose of establishing white germanic peoples as world masters and all that stuff and and they were using this these runes and all that stuff for that purpose and okay so so that's the reality of the background of all this well Mm -hmm, let's just mm -hmm. counter that with rationalism right um i'd say that you can't ultimately you can't um you can't sit there and use that system I, i'm looking at like this huge pile of rune books because <laughs> i'm I, I keep buying all of them you also, I, you also have alga's rune hanging around your neck man absolutely um and this did those have context for me that i would i would argue are, are outside of of that particular system i figured that you probably would yes <laughs> so, <laughs> but but we run into a real substantial problem right um, if if we keep reproducing that particular system, I would say that there are plenty of other systems out there. You know, one revealed, for instance, in the rune poems, um, which which are detached from from the Ariosophy that was invented invented in the late late nineteenth century. Well, you mean the interpretation of the runes as given in the rune poems? Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yeah. I think I think perhaps like that's where what I have been, for lack of a better term, and in what like working with, like that's how that's the interpretations I've been given. Maybe I'm I'm not. I think maybe I'm not as aware um, of the strange Aryan interpretations as maybe I thought I was. Well, I mean, what we see is of course a system of rune interpretation that now lives. Uh, on its own, m- m- somewhat detached from that origin, right? But but it, it it is it is based on that that old system, right? And and one of the main individuals to to popularize all of this is uh, Stephen Flowers, aka Edward Thorson, right? Who, ah, you know, yes. Go back to the to 1981 or two when he published Futhark. And like he's he's literally referencing Guido von List and Jörg Lanz von Lebenfels and those guys. And Jörg Lanz von Lebenfels was a goddamn Nazi. Um, and and he's saying, well, we'll we're just gonna get rid of that uh, Nazi stuff, um, and then we're gonna keep going with all the other stuff that they said. And that that's that's then that's sort of like the parent of of all the the different uh, rune reading books that are out there nowadays like mm. very similar systems that that people are reproducing so i think that's problematic i think uh <laughs> the good edward thorson should have made other choices back then um mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right well, i've got two questions left that i want to ask one is just hopefully you can answer it nice and quick Matthias. um and it's from philip john and it's just which publisher company 
has translated the poet, poetic Edda and prose Edda the best. So I guess it's just people just want to know, like, if you were going to pick up a, a translation of these, what would you grab? Okay, so I would grab, uh, for the poetic Edda, I would grab um, Caroline Larrington's translation, um, which is Oxford University Press. You can see it right there. Um, her, her translation is the best available out there um, for the Poetic Edda. And for the Prose Edda or Snorri Sturluson's Edda, um, I always go with Anthony Fox. And that's uh, by every man. That would be the uh, publisher for that one. There we go. All right, the last, the last question is, is kind of for, for all of us. And this was a, a fun question. This is probably my favorite one that we got. Um, it's from Kelso0909. Um, and it's, if, if we were Vikinger in, the, in like 700 Norway, where would we raid first? And more importantly, what would be our Viking name? Whoa. <laughs> Which I thought was just a fun question. That, that's the kind of question that I like. Um. For me, obviously, I'm a Yorkshireman, so I'm raiding York first. That that has to be my answer. That's where I'm going. Um, I, 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 yeah, I it would have to come back to my uh, my motherland, I guess. What about what about you two? Um, I mean, I would I would probably raid a sort of Middle America pre the gold rush and become incredibly rich. I'm kidding. I would. If we're in a time machine, nah, I would. I would also raid York, but slightly after or before Dan got there, so that when he got there, um, there was nothing left, and he'd feel like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> and my name would be uh, Edard Dan Spain, and basically everywhere I went would be where Dan was planning to go five minutes later, and I'd just leave a trail of destruction. <laughs> And Dan, Dan, Dan's clan would just hate him and overthrow him, and then I would be the the horn of Odin. <clears throat> the horn of Odin. That sounds like you would literally just be Odin's dick. I would be known as the descendant of Odin. <laughs> Odin's descent. Mateus, where are you raiding? Um. If I were a Viking in 700s Norway, I'd probably raid Denmark. That's pretty easy. Dude, you're a fantastical. You can raid anyway. It doesn't have to be practical. Well, where has the okay. most cinnamon, man? Where has the most cinnamon? Hmm. Well, I actually don't know. I mean, you could go for Rome then, I guess. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, Rome would be fun. What about your Viking name? Um, uh, that would definitely be uh, Hafton um, Skull Crusher. There you go. Are you the sure it wouldn't crusher. be like Antoine Nordvik or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> Antoine Nordvik. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that. <laughs> um. Yeah. Or or Martinez Nordvik. Yeah, that's the one. But you'd have to raid South America. That'd be great. I think that'd be oh, a wonderful good, crossover. Yes. Like, I think Latino Vikings would just be the best people to hang out with. <laughs> Can you even imagine the partying? Why is that not like a, a better crossover? Maybe we should do that. In... Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, my, my name, I guess, would have to be something Stonehead or Rock Skull. 
it would have to be along those yeah, lines. It would, wouldn't it? Um, just, yeah, I'm not sure what it would be. It would definitely be something referencing heads and stones. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to mention it, but I spent a long time in that cave just two days ago and didn't fall over once. <laughs> oh, actually, that's not true. I did fall over at least once. Now think about it. I mean, but but yeah. you, didn't, I, I, to you, you didn't land on your head when you did it. Well, I mean, if I did, Matthias, my head didn't break. So I think Daniel Weakhead is actually a better name. Right? <laughs> oh, no. My head... My head stood on the rocks. Daniel Egghead. The, you want to you see the rocks, <laughs> not you want to see the other guy. I was all right. <laughs> I was out partying the next day. And that's that's how most stories about Thor uh, came to be. That's, that's it. So I would be Thor Stonehead. Nice. Yeah. Uh, something along those I lines. I guess that would that has like a knock-on context to my character, though. I think Eddard's, Eddard's Dan Bane would have his work cut out for him if uh, if you're sort of always smashing your head open on rocks or is it that you smash your head I don't really understand your character There's, there, is he I got a strong head or a weak head a strong oh, head okay, head smasher okay. so but his wait, main purpose is to draw dicks everywhere right so how in this name have you come oh, out yeah. of strong Ed and I've come out of Dan's Bane this is backwards <laughs> because because I fell over and smashed my head and somehow didn't die uh, when I could have. I mean, it. I understand the theory. It's just the etymology. I'd rather be strong, Ed, and you can be weak, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 wrap this one up. Um, if if you've stuck with us, thank you very much. You know, this one was always going to be be fun. We were going to have a drink. We were just going to, you know, not not stick to any topics and just kind of roll with it and just whatever happened happened. Um, it's always fun when you're on Ed. Obviously, Jonas was on earlier; he had to, had to disappear. But yeah, you two always—it's always a fun episode. Ed, you are—you um, are just—you are just one of my favorite favorite people because you are just you and yourself, and you're unapologetically Ed. The unapologetic Edard on a Well, thank you, man. That's really kind. And I mean, I say every I, every single time I come on, I say the same thing, which is, man, thanks for having me back because. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a genuine sort of surprise and pleasure to be asked to come on. So thank you for that. And, and thank you for your continued support of my bizarre attempt to bring mythology back to life. I mean, that means an awful lot to always. me and to have you there to witness the first uh, attempt and successful attempt as well uh, meant the world. So thank you very, very much. And um, I really hope that we get a chance to show the world uh, what we created that night. Um in, in its own episode. So thank you for having me and for sharing all your knowledge with me. I grow slightly wiser by the year. Thanks to you. No, we were, we were talking about hopefully doing a watch along version of the mythos. Um, so hopefully that's something we can, we can do. Mateus, obviously that would be, be a lot of fun. We can sit down and watch it uh, with Ed and then it would be a, a lot of, a lot of good fun. We've got one last question. Uh, Joe just put in the chat. Ed, do you think you could choke slam me? Dan, I, do I think I could slam? Well, fun fact about wrestling is that you know it's it's really as a base you are just sort of someone to for the flyer to work around, much like aerial gymnastics. So really, the question is, Dan, could you be choke slammed by Ed? Yes. There's your yes. answer. Whether or not either of us of would course. survive the experience is something a completely different question. <laughs> right. For anybody who's saying go and follow Ed, you 
your your Instagram is thus the guild. I've now. changed it, yeah, um, from my name because everyone thought yes. it said Edgemaster, which was like a weird like <laughs> sex thing. So I changed it to thus the guild, which, as far as I know, isn't a weird sex thing yet. No, <laughs> follow follow Ed. Um, you will not be be disappointed. Matthias, everybody can follow you at Matthias Nordvik. Um, you can follow me, just Daniel Linscoff, Aaron One, obviously at Horns Building. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a five star rating and a positive review. Um, hopefully, after this, listening to this episode, you're still going to want to leave us a, a five star rating. And if you enjoy what we do, Patreon is always the best way to support us, helps us keep growing the show, and specifically helps us spend more time on the show. Um, because it lets me imitate maybe do less in our day jobs, we can focus more on on this and keep building it and growing it and putting out better content um, because we want to keep growing this as much as we can. You can literally support the, the Patreon from as little as buying us a cup of coffee a month. So, you know, it's not a, a huge commitment. You can jump in there and and listen to all the stuff, all the back catalog we've got on there and even delete after a month if you want. Um, so, yeah, just, just jump on there and give it a go. Listen to the story time episodes. Jonas narrates them. And honestly, they are some of the most fun you can have. Um, we really enjoy doing them. Oh, now we're going to do a sort of a Q&A kind of everyday lifestyle episode where we can talk about our everyday lives, but also patrons are going to get the chance to ask Mateus, I guess mainly you, because nobody ever asks me a question, but it's going to be mainly aimed at you. People are going to get the chance to ask you what they want to know about Norse mythology or Norse mythology, things that maybe I haven't picked up on in an episode or just a question that they have from listening to episode. They can jump on the Patreon, leave the question there, and then in the next Q&A, we're going to answer it or you're going to answer it, and I'm going to just sit there and look pretty. Mm-hmm. And go like the Nordic Mythology Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, all the different platforms where you can find it, and follow us on YouTube. There we go. That's a wrap. It's been as much fun as I hoped it would be. Thank you.